The Old Testament reading for this Pentecost Sunday is recorded in Numbers chapter 11, beginning verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Here ends the Old Testament, which is fulfilled on Pentecost. The account of Pentecost is well known. And so this particular Sunday, we have part of Peter's sermon on Pentecost from Acts chapter 2, beginning verse 29. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here in this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord is our God will call. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 15, beginning the 26th verse. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. 
They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Okay. If you're a little person, way too big. Way too big. Sure, you can go, Elliot. Actually, maybe I should have college people coming up front. Oh, you say not, Jim? Okay. Because we are going to play with fire today. If you were listening to the second reading, when Peter was explaining what happened on on Pentecost, he explained how each of us can have our own Pentecost. Remember he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit is often pictured as a holy fire. As in Sunday school, you learned that when the Spirit was poured out, everyone had a little flame on the top of their head, but nothing burned. But it was their way of knowing the Spirit had been given. So if this candle represents your heart and soul, the Holy Spirit comes in baptism. and lights your soul with faith in Jesus. What did I give to little Ella's mom and dad when she was baptized? What did I give to her? A candle that was lit. Yeah, that's a picture of the same thing. Now, what's a candle good for? Lighting a path, it gives light, otherwise you're in complete darkness. Also, if it's wintertime and if it snows, what else does a candle do? Makes you warm. 
The light is a picture of Jesus as the light of the world, and the warmth is a picture of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who gives you the warmth of God's love all the way through. Now, the one thing about a candle is, what could happen to it? It could burn out. Well, let's just pretend that this one's 20 feet tall. It's not going to burn out. But something could happen to it. Oh, yes, it could burn something. <laughs> oh, which is actually good because you should share the light of Jesus with others. But suppose I could sneeze. What could happen, Jesse? <laughs> what could happen? Yeah, I could blow it out, right? We're going to learn in the sermon today that you've received the gift of the Spirit in baptism and you should be seeing the gifts that it gives, but also you don't want to blow it out. So you want to protect that light all the way through life. In fact, maybe some of you know a song. This little gospel light of mine. You know that song? Oh, you're going to sing it with me anyway. If you, if you guys know it, sing it along. This little gospel light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little gospel light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little gospel light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. Now, just one other verse. Don't you try to it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't you try to it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't you try to it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. And with Ella's little candle, every anniversary of her baptism, you can get it out at a safe distance and light it and tell her about her baptism. And by the time she gets to be 12 or 13 years old or somewhere in there and she's gone through catechism class and the candle's down to a little stub, it's at that point you can let her have the stub. But just as a reminder all those years, okay, you can head back again. And for safety's sake, I'm going to put this out. How's that? Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Pentecost was not the first coming of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had been given and was around and present from the very creation of the world. In fact, the Spirit's the first person of the Trinity that we find mentioned in the Scriptures. The Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. But as you heard in the Old Testament, the giving of the Spirit to individuals normally meant that they became prophets. They would speak forth God's word. Eldad and Medad weren't worth with the main group at the time of Moses. They were way back in the camp. And probably they were laggards, a little slow getting up in the morning, or didn't listen very well, 
But in spite of that, the Spirit was poured out not only on the elders around Moses, but even on Eldad and Medad. What's beautiful about the Old Testament lesson is Moses prophesied the thing that he says at the end. He says, don't be upset as though anything's happening to me. I really don't care. It's not something you should be upset about. Would that the Lord give his spirit, pour out his spirit on all his people. That's fulfilled finally on Pentecost. Although in church history, some people like to say that only just the 12 received the gift of the Spirit on Pentecost, we're told right ahead of that chapter that the church itself of about 120 people, which is not big, but the entire little church at that time was together, always together. And when chapter 2 comes along, we're not just talking about the 12, but probably about the 120. This is referring to the entire church. The question might come up, how do you know whether or not you have the Holy Spirit? In this day that we live in, some people think you should feel the Spirit. There should be a warmth and a fire and a burning, an almost out-of-control feeling and emotion that if you have the Spirit, all these things should be showing. Some even say that you should be able to speak in tongues or to heal people or to do all sorts of miraculous things. And there are groups out there that would look at most Lutherans and say, oh, they don't have any spirit, they don't have any fervor, they're dead. You don't gauge the coming of the Holy Spirit by how much you feel or how much you can do or how holy you think you are, or whether you think you can do miracles. If that were the case, I don't think there'd really be many Christians around. Rather, you know that you have the Spirit because the Word gives you a promise regarding the coming of the Spirit. Again, in the end of this little passage from the book of Acts chapter 2, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This repentance of a new life, this forgiveness of sins, and the gift of the Spirit are all tied up, first of all, in holy baptism. Now, maybe mom and dad noticed something when Ella was being baptized. She was a bit cranky until I actually had the water <clears throat> and said, Ella, Dorothy, Thalen, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Then her eyes got big. And of the Son, and she got quiet. And of the Holy Spirit, and everything was fine. And what happened in the next moment? She got cranky again. <laughs> <clears throat> so even there, I'm not pointing out her reaction is a guarantee that the Spirit has come. The Spirit was given to her because of God's own promise regarding baptism. <clears throat> 
By the way, I'm not communicable. I'm just getting over a cold, and it's settled here. <clears throat> okay, now we're fine. If you want to talk about any feelings or anything internal happening with regard to the Holy Spirit, there are, in fact, two things. And they should be there not just once in a while, when you feel kind of spiritual. They should be there constantly. First of all, repentance. When Peter says repent, he doesn't just mean do it once or do it during Lent. The very first of the 95 theses of Dr. Martin Luther said, Thesis 1, all of life is repentance. That is, you should recognize by the Spirit's prompting that you always are in need of forgiveness. We're always sinful human beings. We always constantly need God's grace and forgiveness. There's never a time that we can trust in ourselves. Notice, as the gospel says about the Spirit, He will give witness to me. He'll give a solemn testimony, testimony always to me, Jesus said. Any religious notions or feelings or anything else that points you away to another salvation other than Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit is not pointing out our sins just to make us feel bad. We sometimes cry just like Ella does. The second part that you should know and believe at all times, not only that you have sin and are repentant of it, but that you believe in Jesus Christ. Again, if you look at that Acts passage, those two things are mentioned right away at the beginning, that repentance and believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who Peter said earlier in his sermon had died for them, but now was risen. The forgiveness of sins is the second thing that's given and promised, first of all, in holy baptism. The joy that comes from the Spirit's presence is this deep-down feeling that everything is fine. Just like Ella's feeling right now as mommy's holding her. It's fine. Your heavenly father forgives you for the sake of Christ Jesus. Therefore, you have the peace of God that passes understanding, that guards and keeps our hearts and our minds. Those two things should be happening at all times. And as for all the feelings, the false piety, the supposed miracles that you might think that you're doing at times, those don't prove a hill of beans. Those don't mean anything as a guarantee that the Spirit's been given. The guarantee is from God's Word. By the way, if you look at all the passages in Scripture regarding holy baptism, it is never a mere symbol of anything you can do. That's still a popular notion. People only get baptized when they think that they themselves of their own volition can decide to give their life to Jesus. Then they think they should be baptized. It's turning the cart completely upside down. Every place in Scripture where it mentions baptism, it is God's activity, not ours. It's God's gift in Christ, 
not us giving ourselves back to God as a gift. But having said that, 12, 13 years from now, somewhere in there, when she's learned in more detail all that Christ has done for her and his grace, she will then want to, as a thanksgiving, dedicate her life back to her Lord Jesus Christ as a disciple. After all, isn't that what Jesus said? Make disciples of all nations, first by baptizing and teaching them to observe all things. She'll want to do that, not as something that saves her, but as an expression of her faith in Jesus who saves her. So on this Pentecost, it's very appropriate that we had Ella as a wonderful object lesson. She's a picture of us all. And your baptism, as well as mine, all began at the baptismal font. When the Spirit was given you in accordance to God's Word. From that moment on, continue to be hearing God's Word. Because the Word is the sword of the Spirit. It is God's truth that continues to bless and lead you. So we give thanks for her baptism and her first Pentecost this morning. And as for each of us, see if you can find your own old baptismal certificate. Roust out your mom or dad or grandma and grandpa. See if you can find that certificate. Read it. Understand what it's saying with regard to God's blessings to you. And realize that that baptism is your first Pentecost. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.